Real Photo Show is sponsored by the Charcoal Book Club. Charcoal Book Club is a monthly subscription service for photo book enthusiasts. Working with the most respected names in contemporary photography, Charcoal selects and delivers essential photo books to a worldwide community of collectors. Each month, members receive a signed first edition monograph and an exclusive print to add to their collections. So I just posted a little flip-through introduction of Shikawatari by Chiko Shirashi, and I should be receiving Nick Waplington's Anaglypta pretty soon. And then next up at the Charcoal Book Club is Echoes Shades by Peter Zaberski, uh, and I will also be doing uh, an introduction on that. And you can find those flip-throughs on the Instagram TV channel for A Real Photo Show, also on the YouTube channel for A Real Photo Show. So if you want to get in on the book of the month from the Charcoal Book Club, uh, visit charcoalbookclub.com and become a member. Or visit their shop and purchase the books while they are available. Welcome to the Real Photo Show Teacher's Edition. My guest today is Heather Palasek, and Heather is a high school teacher. And if you've listened to past episodes of the show, you know that often photographers will include in their their mentors people that inspired them people that got into photography they're a high school teacher so i was really excited to include heather in this series uh, also heather just closed up her show at the jkc gallery and the title of the show was resist convenience it was all about the idea of not always taking the easiest path uh, in order to make work and also to help preserve the earth and that is very much in heather's work the idea of preservation and collaborating with Mother Nature. Uh, so we have some conversation about Heather's work, but also, of course, uh, I ask Heather some of the, the same questions that I will be asking other guests on the show. And sometimes those questions are actually answered organically before I even ask them. So it's not a, uh, a kind of list that I'm going through necessarily. Uh, but some of the questions are, you know, who were your teachers or mentors? How do you balance teaching and making? Um, how do you see the importance of art in your institution? Who are the students that you serve? What is your favorite assignment to give? And uh, pro tip. And I pro tip is kind of tongue in cheek. You probably know from listening to the show, but it's it's a pro tip in terms of advice you would give to other teachers or up and coming teachers or advice you would uh, give as a photographer to up and coming photographers. For those of you who follow me on Instagram, whether it's the Real Photo Show account or the JKC Gallery account, you will already know that Heather Palasek is one of my, what I call, partners at the gallery. She and Habib Suwab founded Third Thursdays, which is our virtual artist talk. Well, I guess virtual artist talk during the pandemic, it didn't actually start out that way, but uh, it's actually doing really well as a virtual artist talk, and we can't wait to have that back in the gallery uh, come September, uh, but we will continue to also host that virtually. Our last talk for the season will be Thursday, May 20th, and then, like I said, we'll be back in September. And on that note, I just wanted to announce that I am part of a free portfolio review for MFA and bachelors of any kind doing art <laughs> uh, graduates from 2020 and 2021. Uh, this is a, a kind of, you know, a nod to the fact that those students have missed out on quite a bit during the pandemic. And Eric Kunzman of Booksmart Studio and Yoav Friedlander, Donna Sterling from Float Photo Magazine and I at the JKC Gallery are offering this opportunity called Homecoming 2021 Student Call for Entry. Uh, it is sponsored also by Fujifilm. 
and they have donated quite a bit, uh, including a GFX 100S medium format mirrorless camera with a lens, and that camera will go to a student drawn randomly who was also chosen for the publication, and there is a publication. There's also a show at the JKC Gallery, and Fuji will be printing and mounting those photos at no cost to the students for that show. Everyone who enters will be included in a digital publication that will be free for all to download. Uh, So it is definitely worth checking out if you are a recent grad from 2020-2021. Submissions are open now and run through June 15th, 2021. So check it out at MFA Photography Reviews with an S dot com. And we are really looking forward to seeing all of your great work. All right, so getting back to my guest today, Heather Palasek. Heather is a historical process photographer, and she will be teaching a solography workshop uh, on May 23rd from 12 to 2 and June 16th from 6 to 7. And I think those things are probably filling up fast, but you can check that out at heatherpalasek.squarespace.com which I've linked to in the show notes. Uh, The first session is in person in Trenton, New Jersey, and the second session uh, is virtual. And those events are free because they are supported by IELTS, which is a fantastic organization, a community organization down in Trenton. Oh, also, before I forget, the Grayscale Economics Project by Brass Rabbit is still up in my JKC gallery, and that will be closing in a couple of weeks. So if you want to visit, just DM me through the Real Photo Show account or the JKC Gallery account on Instagram, and we can figure out a time for you to visit the gallery. And just one last, last note. <laughs> I When I introduce the show with Heather, I say I haven't done a live recording in so long. What I meant to say was in person, but there's just something about being with a person, I guess, that made it feel more live. Uh, so I just wanted to correct that before we get started. All right, everyone, thank you for listening. Enjoy the show, and we will talk soon. This is so much fun because... I haven't done a live recording in so long. Oh, really? How I think Duquan Sweeney in Jersey City was the last live recording I did sometime last summer. And it was a lot like this. We were out in the field. Uh, we were in a park just letting ambient noises come in. So if that's what you're hearing, everyone, uh, we <laughs> I'm here with Heather Palasek. Hi, Heather. Hi. And uh, we're actually in the kind of the backyard of the JKC Gallery. It's this beautiful little courtyard space. That uh, And so you might be able to hear birds, which would be really cool. And some truck noises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there'll be uh, some traffic noises, things like that. <laughs> Heather, of course, we just closed your show, uh, Resist Convenience, at our uh, my little gallery. Uh, tell me a little bit about the experience. Was th- That was your first solo, right? It actually was my second solo show. Oh, damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs> my first one was sorry, a long done. Uh, time ago. sorry, we're done. Stop the recording. <laughs> Yeah, my first one was quite a while ago, though, in 2014. Um, so this was my second, and probably I, it was definitely um, more professional, I would say, than... What, this one? Yes. <laughs> Good. My, yeah, <laughs> it was great. Um, I love your gallery. Wouldn't that be funny if you said, this one was a little more chaotic? Yeah, and, it was uh, way worse. Was like, that's right. Like, well, do was... you actually direct the gallery? Because I don't remember what you do. <laughs> you just robot around. 
<laughs> That's right. We'll get back to that. Yes. <laughs> um, no, but it was a really great experience, um, especially after attending so many gallery shows here to have my work on the walls. Um, it, I just feel very grateful for the opportunity and it was kind of surreal to to see my work there. Um, and I, I'm really proud of the work that I put on the walls and the work that I yeah. made for the exhibit. Uh, so I'm very happy with the outcome of it. And it was kind of fun to be the guinea pig for our, <laughs> your first virtual or hybrid, partially virtual. Vir yeah, hybrid in-person virtual. It was, um, so there's, there is a, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, first, you're, you were proud of what you put on the wall uh, because you stressed so much about it and worked so hard at it. Mm -hmm. And I said this at the reception, there's, you know, you have a, an incredible energy and intensity and uh, you make other people around you want to work harder too, which is fantastic, uh, which we will also talk about maybe how that influences your teaching uh, mm. when we get to that. But just to, to stay on the show a little bit, yeah, this was the first reception during, uh, you know, coming, I don't know, what do we call it? Uh, uh, Mid-post-pandemic? I don't know where we are right now. I don't <laughs> but it was, the, it was our, our first attempt at a real in-person reception. So we held it um, two, two different sessions, seatings of nine, plus artists and guests, uh, uh, you know, staff, and... Uh, and then we also held it on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And right the day before the reception, uh, one of my students tested positive. So I actually had to be on the Zoom end of it, which mm -hmm. was so typical 2020. Yes, <laughs> 2021. <definitely>. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so we put Michael on an iPad on a dolly and rolled him around the gallery so yes. he could still host the event. Wheeled me around. Yes, and we just called you Robo Dalton. <laughs> it's not the first time that someone's called me Robo Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> really? You'll have to tell no, us about know. the first time. <laughs> but um, it, it actually went great. It was really, really great. Because, I mean, the, the best part was you were so incredibly thorough with walking around the gallery giving a tour because each part of the gallery was was somewhat separated into um, photos that were made with a particular idea, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we, sh we should, ex why don't you talk a little bit about the, the, what, what kind of work you do make? Okay, that's a good idea. Um, so I work with historical photography processes and I work with them in really experimental ways and I don't stick to just one medium. I think I'm most well known for my pinhole photography, but I also really enjoy working with cyanotype and lumen printing um, most often. Sometimes I do like some mixed media work as well um, and a lot of cameraless photography. And I, although all of my work sort of falls in the realm of relationships and connections and especially humans connection with mother nature, I work within niche subjects that kind of fall under that umbrella. So I had many different projects on the wall. Mm -hmm. um, they all had different concepts. So it was kind of nice. The gallery has two, I guess you would call them false walls. Yeah, uh, the walls on wheels. Walls but yeah, on wheels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, we were able to arrange the gallery so that each project had its own space and you could walk around the gallery in a, a circle and kind of see them all sequentially. So I was able to walk Robo Dalton and <laughs> all of the Zoom attendees around to explain the different processes that I used and the different projects I've been working on. 
Yeah, and you know the it, it got incredibly positive feedback and reviews, but you know we we tend to think, oh, great, all the technology worked out, but the technology was just this vehicle. And, and like I said before, the re- I think the positive reviews came from the fact that you had this very kind of calm, easygoing way of describing each body of work. Like it, it was just so clearly explained. And then you're actually, you went like straight from this show uh, to, to put work in another show, right? <laughs> yes, I did. I pulled work off of these <laughs> galleries and put them in a box to bring to Artworks in Trenton. Um, Tamara Torres uh, curated a show called COVIDtopia. Yeah. And she is currently running, she just started it this year, a photo club in the city. And she had certain artists, um, like Habib was one of them, Craig Shofed, yep. so um, Brass Rabbit, there were a few of us that... Brass Rabbit's showing now in, the, in this gallery. And mm-hmm. I mean, you just named people who are kind of like the core part of our community here in yeah. the Trenton art world. And it's much more than that, but but those are the folks I see all the time. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So we all got together to mentor her photo club, and then she put a show on at Artworks with her club members' artwork um, alongside all of the mentors' artwork. So I brought my work straight there, and um, <laughs> so that was really nice. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, and just to, to backtrack a little bit into the, the COVID era, one of the, the more interesting and successful projects you did have was uh, toilet paper cyanotypes, these kind of toilet paper grams. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love that toilet paper grams. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you, uh, you had created a, a set, a, a limited set, right, of these mm-hmm. photograms of toilet paper that were cyanotypes. Yes, I did. Um, I started them, I think it was March like 22nd of 2020, so just a week after lockdown started, and I found myself going absolutely stir crazy in my house Um, (laughs) and it was at the time where I don't know if this was just a New Jersey thing or a full country ordeal but at least in our area yeah everyone was freaking out about toilet paper there was none in the stores (laughs) and I found myself unable to get any and I had three rolls at my house to get me through this quarantine I thought would last two weeks since ended up being a year. <laughs> you and so many other people yeah. who, you know, walked by the 24 count toilet paper so many times in so many stores yep. were suddenly wondering, am I going to run out of toilet paper? Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> and I found it to be so funny, um, uh, especially yeah. the predicament I was in running out of it. And I don't know what f- caused me to waste it to make artwork out of it, but I started folding it up into geometric shapes and making cyanotypes out of them. And you sold them, right? And I sold them. Yeah, yep. sold out of them. Sold yeah. out of them. Yeah, I yeah. made, I believe, 21 of them and they all sold. And the only reason I stopped making them is because I was they were selling almost faster than I could make them (laughs) and the one day I went to the post office and saw plastic lining floor to ceiling between the post office master I don't know what you call the 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 window and the the, right and the line between me and them it terrified me I was like oh my goodness I am not going to the post office ever again I have to I'm not going to be able to make any more of these. And then I ran out of watercolor paper to make my cyanotypes and couldn't go to the store to get any. And yeah. the project just sort of ended. Yeah, it was but, it was a pandemic project. And then the pandemic kind of caught up to you with the project at yes. the same time. And, and it's just, you know, I was thinking about this today. We were doing camera returns in the photo lab. And mm-hmm. the first time I did camera returns, students had to drive up to a white van 
just slightly off the campus. That's funny. In a, in, parked in a trail that leads to all the power lines near Mercer. Oh, wow. And then, like, walk, open the back door and drop their camera off, send me a picture that they dropped their camera off. That sounds apocalyptic. Like, it, it, well, here I am telling all these students to walk up to a white van and, and, and open the door <laughs> in the middle of a field, practically. And, you know, I mean, everything feels like 10 years ago and yesterday at the same time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, I the intensity of the changes we went through in the in the education world in the art world and of yeah. course everyone else's world uh was is just it's going to take a while to to process all of that Absolutely. i agree yeah mm-hmm. but then that that does bring me to the the education world mm-hmm. um where you are now you teach in a private school right i teach in a public school actually oh i thought it was private nope what's the school montgomery high school Oh, okay. Why did I think? Oh, it's so weird. I thought I that was know. private. Yeah, no, it's... Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, you were in a show that I juried at, at a, a private, private school. school. Yes. I mixed the two up. Yeah. Oh, okay. So go ahead. So Montgomery School. <laughs> yeah, Montgomery High School. Um, it's a, a really beautiful high school um, just north of Princeton, New Jersey. And uh, I don't know, I guess demographically, you could say that we are a type J district, which means we're in a a really affluent district. The majority of my students are either white or Asian. And, you know, they all come from pretty well-to-do families. Mm -hmm. I've been working at the school for 10 years, I believe, since 2010. Oh, okay. Maybe 11 years. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Um, I've been there a while. (laughs) And I've just had a really great experience there. I'm the only photography teacher and I teach teach four levels of photography. I have a great supervisor and board of ed that have let me make my own curriculum. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And they really trust me to, you know, teach my students, of course, according to the New Jersey content standards, but um, to really teach them whatever I feel like they need to know in the photography realm. Yeah. You know, on the on the show, I don't think we've had any or many (laughs) uh, photography high school level teachers, but we always have guests who talk about their high school photography teachers, because that, of course, is often the first experience someone has, but a really meaningful experience as well. Um, I know for me, my, my high school photography teacher was Mr. Hall in Comac, Comac, Long Island. And, uh, and what I, I just remember him trying to hold everything together with you know rubber bands and gum and paper clips, and there was never, the budget was never enough, but he just did such an amazing job. I mean, we used to make, test strips on things about the width of a, a, you know, a ribbon, a gift ribbon, you know, Mm -hmm. like (laughs) just to try to save money. But we loved it. We we, uh, bulk loaded all our film. You know, if you got good enough, you could bulk load for other students. I remember those days. (laughs) Yeah. But it was it was so exciting because everything is just so new. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you're you're kind of like, you know, you're you're in a position to be a real mentor, a position to really influence students. Do you think about that? You know, I haven't really until you've just mentioned <laughs> this, but I had a similar experience where my high school photo class like really changed my life. Um, so I'm interested to see whose lives I'm changing <laughs> on a daily basis now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but you're right. That first experience I had entering the darkroom was just such a, a magical experience for me. I loved the course and I felt like I had finally found something mm-hmm. I was really good at. I took the class when I was 16 years old and it was really refreshing to me to like finally find a passion. I felt like I was kind of floundering around a little bit before that. That's another big part of, of having it in high school. It, for, it, it was the same for me. Uh, having the camera, joining the yearbook club, 
uh, gave me a sense of purpose. It gave me yes. entree into speaking yeah. <laughs> to other students. Uh, uh, but but most importantly, it was it was just a, a way for me to make connections yeah, uh, in a definitely. way that I definitely didn't before. I had a very tight, small group of friends, and mm-hmm. um, the, you know the photography crossed genres, like crossed the, the different groups of people, you know, jocks and nerds and um, goths and everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really a nice crossover. Yeah, definitely. Same for me. Yeah. It was nice getting to meet people outside of my normal friend group. Um, and I really made a connection with that teacher. I, I think he's probably the reason why I wanted to become a teacher myself. Who, is, who was that? His, his name is John Drellick. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'll never forget him. <laughs> I wonder what he's doing these days. I remember he had a retirement home in Duck, North Carolina. He would always talk about Mm-hmm. I don't know, 18, 20 years later, I still remember this. Um, but There'll be weird little quirks that our students remember too, right? They'll remember me for my cabin, yeah, I think. I was just going to say that. You're going to be the, the photo professor with the cabin. The weird one that likes to hang out with no electricity in That's the right. summer. Um, but yeah, mentioning how, going back to you talking about how we were both inspired by our teachers being our mentors. Um, That's one of the things that I really enjoy about being a high school photography teacher. So prior to this, I taught at an elementary school general art, and I really enjoy the high school level so much more because I feel like I am making an impact, and I do like mentoring the students on you know, personal things that they're going through, helping them get into college, making like life choices about college, like decisions they're making or what colleges to go to. So I I really like this age group as well. Yeah, and you know, so you you come out of Montclair mm-hmm. University, yep, where you also had a mentor there, right? I did, yeah, Klaus Schnitzer. Yeah, mm-hmm. who, who re- retired last two years ago now? He retired just last year. It was just last year. Yeah, yeah. I actually went to that retirement yes. party show. Well, with the pandemic happening between, it kind of feels like it was forever ago. I, that's what I'm trying to remember. Like, how were we all there? I know. <laughs> I it was just a month before the lockdown started. Oh my God! So it was. Just before the lockdown, just before I went to Houston, and then I mm-hmm. uh, SPE, and then the lockdown. Wow, it's just amazing how much, yeah, uh, just how much happened right then and there. And then from Montclair, when what's the time between graduating Montclair and then teaching? Um, no time, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was offered a position teaching elementary art in Patterson, New Jersey, prior to graduating. So I went straight in. I graduated in December of 2009 and started teaching at, no, that's not true, (laughs) December 2008 and started teaching in Patterson in February of 2009. Yeah. So So uh, what grade level? You said elementary, but. Yep. I was teaching first through eighth grade, just general art. art. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You grew up more in North Jersey, right? I did. I grew yeah. up in Sussex County. That's right. Yep. Yes. Yeah. 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 So is, is that why you, did you apply there? I mean, is that what led you to um, well, teaching there? It, you know, Montclair sort of just assigns you a place to student teach. Oh, and because okay. Patterson's right around the corner from Montclair, they right. always chose schools in like the Passaic County, Bergen County area. Right. So I wound up student teaching in Patterson and then they offered me yeah. the position. What do you, what do you so take nice. away from that experience? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think I took away 
a lot of classroom management, um, but I think that all teachers, their first couple years, that's like a huge learning curve yeah. for them is classroom management. Um, but I did not have a classroom when I was teaching in Patterson. So I taught first <laughs> through eighth grade in boxes out of my office and it taught me planning ahead. Wait, what does that mean? I don't know what that oh, means. Well, I had to travel between classes. Oh. It was a three-story building with no elevator. So oh, you came, so you came to their classroom. Yes. With your supplies. With my supplies. You were the visiting artist. Yes, uh, teacher. I was. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wild. Um, wow. I came up with a good system of having the students love to carry my boxes of things for me. <laughs> so it was a good system of students running up and down the stairs oh with my, my boxes for me. That is um, that is a learning experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, having to pre-plan in advance, pack all of the materials, travel with them. Uh, you know, manage the classroom. So if I was doing a painting project, where are they going to dry their projects in this other <laughs> teacher's classroom? Um, and the other thing I, I believe it taught me, which I don't know if this is an answer maybe you're looking for, it's kind of off the wall, but because I was teaching in someone else's classroom, there were always other teachers in the room with me. Oh, you were and always it, being observed. Always. It made yeah. me very comfortable with people being in the room with me. I have no qualms about anyone can walk in my room at any time. It does not That's bother fantastic. me. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think because I was thrown into a situation of that there are always teachers in the room with me, it just... Yeah, because ha having, having another a colleague, a peer in your room can really throw you off if you're not used to it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, whoa, what are they thinking right now? Am I doing okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and I don't have any of that with oh, me, great. so it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then so how long were you there and how long then before you start the high start at Montgomery High School? So I was in the school 18 in Patterson from February 2009 through through June um, 2010. And when Chris Christie came into office, he was doing a lot of reform in the education system. And because Patterson was an Abbott district, they lost funding. And almost all of the, the city schools in New Jersey lost hundreds of teachers. Oh, so yeah. I was That's one right. of 900 teachers that lost their job wow. in um, June of that year. So I applied over the summer to 95 different schools oh, and I got hired at two and oh. I chose Montgomery High School because it was my dream job. I had always known I wanted to be a photography teacher. That's wow. what I went to college for. And when I saw they were hiring a photography teacher, I feel so naive now thinking back on it. But at my interview, I literally told them like, this is my dream job. I will do anything for this job. And they gave it to me. That's amazing. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes... Having that uh, naivete, having that inexperience is, is perfect because you you do something that, you know, people would be much more guarded about mm -hmm. or much more careful about. I and know. you actually show someone. It's like this 23-year-old me that's like, I'll an, do anything. Just an incredible <laughs> amount of energy and positivity and mm -hmm. everything else where, you know, uh, other people just might just sort of try to stay more in themselves and professional and everything else. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would say that today, so. Right. <laughs> But uh, so then you, I mean, straight out of Montclair, you're teaching and been teaching ever since, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, how do you balance then? Because uh, public school is full, is more full time than college schedules in general, yes. right? Mm -hmm. It's a longer schedule and it's a, it's, it's a longer day and every day. How do you balance that with, you know, being able to make work? Oh, that's a really good question. 
I think my lifestyle definitely helps with this. Um, I don't have any children, so I don't have a lot of responsibilities outside of <laughs> working. So I can, I have a much easier time making my own schedule and I definitely prioritize art making. So I think that's helpful as mm -hmm. well. Um, and although my school schedule is like longer than being a college professor, I do have the benefit of getting out at two o'clock every day. Oh, that's right. And yeah. the sun doesn't set, you know, unless it's winter, it's mm -hmm. not setting until eight o'clock. So I may have six hours of working time after school. And if I come home and I see that it's a really nice day and I'm feeling inspired that day, I have the time available to me to work on like cameraless photography, doing cyanotypes or um, doing lumen printing or anything like that. Or I can always take a pinhole camera out and go work on a project after school. Yeah. So I think my work schedule paired with not having a lot of other responsibilities uh, <laughs> definitely helps me out. <laughs> yeah. And, and in terms of your students, because you're in a, a high school, you know, it's not like picking a major or other things like that. How do you see the kind of the value, the importance that the students hold, you know, art and in your classes in the high school? And also, you know, how important is art to the school? I think think that art is very important to my school. Um, my supervisor, he's obviously an art super, well, I don't know if it's obvious, but he is an art supervisor and he's very supportive of the arts program. Um, he's a band director, so he's been in the VPA program his entire career. Um, he's very supportive of our program, but also of me as a teacher. I can say the same for my principal. He is extremely supportive of the arts and any ideas that That's I have. Great. The board of ed, the superintendent, they're all very supportive. They know how important the arts are um, within the curriculum and within just building a student's education, uh, their thought processes, just with everything. They're very, very supportive. So I feel very fortunate. I know that not every school district is like that. I'm not the first budget that they cut, which I know <laughs> not every district can say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're very supportive of the programs K through 12. And then in terms of my student body, I think because I have a good budget and I'm able to, I don't know what I want my words to be, but I'm able to, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. What am I trying to say, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm able to kind of like pick and choose what I, I want to purchase to go along with my yeah. lessons and what I'm teaching. So you have like real f flexibility and you don't have to worry too much that words. you're mm -hmm. picking you have to choose one thing over another so much. Yeah, yeah, can, yeah. I do yeah. have flexibility. Yeah, you could be more direct with the assignments you want to give mm -hmm. and the projects you want to make. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I take my job very seriously. And I think that because of that, my students do. Um, they really thrive off of the passion that I bring into my class. And I know that because they tell this to me all the time. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, you're so passionate about photography. Um, and it makes them passionate about it as well. And this is something that I... I deliberately planned years ago, I would say maybe eight years ago, when I was really developing the curriculum at that time. Uh, I was at the time teaching with another photography teacher who left, so I became oh, wow. the... So you know, the, the highest the up high, in the photography program the at the your, time. The head of one. The head of one, <laughs> yes. Um, actually, it was the head of two. Oh, right. oh. <laughs> we had two at the time. Um, I was really planning out how I could improve the curriculum, how I could, you know, just thinking about what could be improved within my program. And I made the deliberate choice to start. I think, well, I know that I always took my program very seriously, but the students, I think it's 
it's easy for them to be like, oh, it's just an art class. Like, it's just an elective. It doesn't matter. And I wanted to find a way that that wasn't their attitude coming into it, that this wasn't going to be an easy A art class. And I started teaching my photo one class. It's a darkroom based course. I started teaching it more as a science class Mm. than an art class. And I started being more deliberate with my wording. And I was able to really transform after a few years how students felt about taking my class. And I noticed that they were taking it more seriously the more seriously I took it. And I think that was very helpful Um, in building my curriculum and building my program. So they knew that they were coming in, they were learning a science. I was getting them excited about it. Uh, STEM is very big in my school. Mm -hmm. It's probably big in most schools. STEM, not STEAM. Yes, STEM, not STEAM. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, I think that was really helpful just, you know, coming in every day and just showing them how important photography is. Like the course is important, but also photography is important in our day-to-day lives. Um, One of the ways I show my students that is by keeping a photo album in the front of the room of all the candid photos that are taken in my class. Um, I print out pictures of the students and put them, we take like class photos at the end of every year and I put them on my door. And that's become the thing is the students can't wait until the end of the school year to take our class picture and put it on the <laughs> oh, door. Oh, that's so nice. Um, yeah. And I have Fuji cameras that I leave out, Instax cameras, and the kids are always taking selfies and they write little <laughs> captions. And I have a whole wall in my classroom that's filled with Fuji Instax pictures of them. So I'm able to show the importance of photography in our day-to-day life just by having these little sections in my classroom of photos well, of that's them. That's also print. very much a nod to their own understanding mm-hmm. of photography and social media right yeah and so it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually a nice physical way mm-hmm. to blend those two things yeah definitely right? where mm-hmm. there's actually an object that you can make instead of yeah. just on the phone exactly yeah yeah you know the other thing that i think you're underselling is that you have your own serious art practice and life and art mm-hmm. and that comes through i think that comes when you know for me for for people who teach art i think mm-hmm. if you if it's clear that you take you do take this very seriously but but you also do it yeah. Uh, and you're also, you know, struggling and having success and everything else. Mm-hmm. I think that also helps in the classroom, too. Yeah, definitely. Because it just makes it more real in a sense as opposed to just, oh, this is nice arts and crafts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I can bring those experiences that I've had into my classroom and give them really like real world experiences of when I've done what I'm asking them to do Mm -hmm. or giving them tips that have come like firsthand tips and errors (laughs) that I've made that they can learn from. Um, So I think that's a real benefit of having an art teacher that's also an artist or an art maker. You get that benefit. Yeah. And it's clear you you bring that alternative process into the classroom as well, the historical processes. I do. Yeah. 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 So they're getting a a really kind of uh, rounded idea of the different possibilities of mm-hmm. what photography can be. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um, what is, and, and I don't know if you're going to be able to pick one, what's mm-hmm. your favorite assignment to give? That is a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had been thinking about this. <laughs> Imagining you might ask. Um, I have a few favorites. One I just did with my photo two students and they just turned it in, I think about a week or two ago in my photo two class. So my photo two is an intro to digital photography course. They're just learning DSLR cameras, like they're just learning culling, uh, Lightroom, storytelling. And I assign them something that I call the passion project. And it 
is really, I think, a culminating project. I love how multifaceted it is. I ask them to pick a passion of theirs. We do a whole brainstorming sheet <laughs> and they have to take, it's a 42 image checklist, but it's based off of composition techniques. So composition perspective, like principles of design, and they need to photograph the people, places, and things that are involved in their passion. Um, and I stress variety, like variety of objects, variety of compositions, just vast variety in all the images that they take to get really creative with their photos and when they bring in their 42 images it turns out all students bring in like 200 <laughs> like they go crazy um which is really nice so then they have to cull to a story and they oh. have to choose six images so the culling aspects the students agonize over it what six images are going to tell the best story of their passion um so that is, I think, really educational for them. And then I have them bring, well, their photos are already in Lightroom. We call in Lightroom in, at the high school. Then they have to edit all six of them to match. So having consistency in their editing. And it's a lot of back and forth with the reference and active mode, looking at the library module, um, mm -hmm. seeing their six images, comparing them. And they really start to see the subtle nuances of like color and light and contrast. And they try so hard to get them to match. And it's very challenging actually. <laughs> so the project, it's just so simple, but it's just like a really fun and great project to get them thinking about so many different uh, components that go into storytelling and that's huge for me yeah um, the basis of all of my classes is visual communication um, I really stress how important it is to have an idea and be able to communicate that through their photos so I really enjoy that project and it's it usually turns out to be their favorite project too there's a real nice. kind of um uh, film editing vibe in that that assignment, mm -hmm. right? A uh, uh, storyboarding, sequencing, mm -hmm. because you know there's there's the matching of the images. Mm -hmm. But what a you know what a great experience learning how to edit and select photos, not maybe because it's your favorite, but because you need these photos to go together. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yep, we talk a, a about lesson that. we all learn about mm -hmm. when we uh, do a show or put, try to put together a book. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell them about it. Yeah. <laughs> in, so I have a background in family photography and I'm in a lot of groups with oh, wedding I photographers. I left that completely out of yeah. your introduction. You have a whole commercial side to aspect to your business. Yeah. And, we, and you keep them very separate. I do. Yeah. 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 Talk about um, that. Yeah. Well, the how I was going to relate this, and I always say this like under my breath, I feel like I'm <laughs> going to get in trouble, but I tell my students the lingo in the industry is killing your children when you <laughs> when you have to cull your photos. That's right. And they well, always, culling is a pretty severe word, too. <laughs> I know. Yeah, they gasp when I say that. But I'm like, well, you're learning the photo lingo. Right. <laughs> you're a real professional now. <laughs> um, and another one of my favorite projects, I kind of, I guess I invented it. I've never seen anyone else do this, but I do it as an alternative project for my photo three students. And I call it alternative dimensions. So like combining the 2D and the 3D worlds. And I give them so many options, but they have to create a photo that combines both. So whether they're taking something two dimensional and photographing it in a 3D world or physically taking or creating a photo and printing it and then adding 3D elements on top of it so it becomes more sculptural, they have their choice on what they want to do. And that project, I think, always yields really interesting results. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. The, um, the idea that the photograph is this flat two-dimensional object and it, it shows the world in a certain way, mm -hmm. but then you can manipulate that, you know, you're, 
well, both those assignments have a real kind of importance of the image when you're making it, mm-hmm. but then the importance of how you handle it and treat it in, yeah. uh, as you know, in production, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do want to ask you a little bit more about the, the commercial work. Mm-hmm. Did you start that before you went to college or was that did that come out of going to Montclair? No, I actually started it... I didn't start it intentionally, I have to say. <laughs> um, after I graduated college, I had my photo degree and people started asking me to photograph things for them. The first thing I ever photographed was my best friend in college's cousin and his brother had a benai mitzvah. So it was like a bar mitzvah for both a boy and a girl at the mm. same time. And their family wanted me to photograph that. So I did. I was nervous and I was like, are you sure? Like, I, I don't it's know like, what I'm doing. Important. Yeah, I know I have a degree, but my degree is in large format right. film photography. It's like, it's and like I, getting an engineering degree and someone asks you to wire their house. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was really nervous. Um, it was one of my I first times. I don't have practical times. experience. I, just, yeah, I have art experience. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and on top of that, I wasn't as experienced with the digital camera. Oh, that's right. I, yeah. Yeah, but I did it, and the photos actually, they came out pretty well for my first time. <laughs> and from posting those photos on Facebook, another friend of mine had me photograph uh baby or not a baby shower a bridal shower for her sister and then it just sort of snowballed my next thing I think was a first birthday photo shoot and I was doing a lot of events at first I had been photographing concerts and taking band like promo photos and at what point do you say oh wait you can make money at this yeah and then I was like well I guess I have a business I should register an LLC so I did that and then uh I slowly transitioned from events into portraits. I'm mm-hmm. more passionate about doing family photos. So that's what I focus on now is outdoor uh, family portraits. Do your processes ever mix? Do you ever do no. any of the historical stuff? No. So I've thought about it. Uh-huh. Um, I've thought about doing family photos in the style of pinhole. But do you know what I'm worried about? And Klaus Schnitzer, my college professor, told us this. When you make your passion your moneymaker, you lose your passion. Mm-hmm. And... I think what fascinates me so much about pinhole photography and definitely what got me back into doing pinhole photography is that the commercial aspects of photography sort of made me lose interest in doing digital photos. You know, I do still love taking my family portraits and I enjoy, I really do enjoy my business. I enjoy taking and creating the family memories and portraits, but I found myself not using my digital camera to make art anymore. My uh-huh. digital camera became like a workhorse. The, the commercial aspect spoiled the other side for yes. digital. So then so I yeah. jumped back yeah, into yeah. Uh, film photography and I jumped back into pinhole and it really reinvigorated my love of photography again. Yeah. I had slowly been losing it and I found it. So I'm afraid to mix pinhole yes. with no, I, commercial because I'm know, afraid I'll lose that and then are, what do I do you know we we know we have friends who who do tin type portraiture who they are kind of mixing uh, yes. both ideas yeah, CJ yeah. does yeah, that CJ Harker mm-hmm. yep yep and um and and so I think I think it's just who you are and, and how your brain works I mean I think it's just if, if it's going to if one's going to spoil the other then yeah keep them separate but yeah I'm going to keep them separate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm too nervous to mix <laughs> So then on that note, um, do you have a, a, a pro tip for either teaching or photography? Something Ooh. that you, you know, you would impart to uh, our listeners? Um, pro tip. I say pro tip. It's, it yeah. sounds so hokey, but like something, <laughs> some advice, some something you love to do, something you would teach, mm-hmm. something that you do that you use. 
I think that some of the things that have made me successful as an educator would be the way that I relate to my students. Um, I think that being a I'm, so I'm very deliberate with my words with my students, and I wasn't always this way, but I've discovered, and it all came to be realizing that the students who move on from photo one to photo two and then photo two to photo three, I started to realize they're the students I had the bigger connection with, and I started to realize that it was the same for me when I was in high school. If it was a teacher I really liked, I would have taken another one of their courses. Mm. So I found that it wasn't that the students really liked photography and they did but that if they liked me as a person they would continue with my courses and I realized at that time how much of an impact I could have on the life of a student making their day-to-day a positive experience so I started to become more deliberate and I made sure that I wasn't just praising like the students I had a connection with but I was trying to make more of a connection with other students and I found that Mm. praising them, even if it wasn't like a masterpiece photograph, but praising them anyway and making them feel good about themselves was a way that I could impact them, but also a way that they would be more motivated in my class, a way that they would want to take another level of my course. Um, So that was important. And that also translated into me being more intentional with how I describe what my lessons are. I'm very transparent with my students. Um, I find that they really enjoy knowing not just what we're doing. Like, I'm not going to enter a class and be like, this is what we're doing today and we do it. But I tell them why we're doing it and how it relates to what we did yesterday, how it's going to relate to what we do next week. I'm very transparent in, like, the order of things we're doing in class and always telling them why. So I think being deliberate with my words has been a key to my success as a teacher. Um, The students always know what we're doing and why we're doing it. And I find that I don't have discipline Mm. issues in my class at all. The students are happy to be there and they feel like they're kind of part of the process because I'm also, I would say like a little bit more informal with them. I trust them and I tell them, I trust them Uh too. Like you have to tell them. And I think if you're really deliberate with your words and you, you know, you praise your students a lot that you'll have, just like a more successful class, um, a more enjoyable class and experience, not just for the students, but for yourself too. Yeah, absolutely. But, and of course I deal with this too. The, the idea of not everything's going to be great, Mm -hmm. right? There's going to be work that, that fails, Mm -hmm. right? And film that fails and Mm -hmm. cameras that fail. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but, uh, it's not so much that you, um, I think the, the thing you try to level is the idea that, it's over, right? Like, like it's such a terrible failure, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, that you can't build upon that, that you can't just do it again. I mean, the beauty of photography is most things are still there when you, after you walk away from them and yeah. you go back mm-hmm. and do it again, yep. right? <laughs> that is <laughs> you know, true. There are moments that are no longer there and, mm-hmm. and people and things like that. But, but for the most part, you know, uh, you can go back and make a photograph again. Um, yeah. E- even, you know, when, when everything goes wrong. And so, yeah, it's, uh, there's, there is a balance of... Uh, you know, working, like building upon failures as well as um, keeping a positivity in the class. Yeah, yeah I, I really yeah. try for that. Keep yeah. everything positive. <laughs> I believe that, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, another way I've kept things positive is actually um, 
in the dark room, so you may have this experience too. I used to keep each station in the dark room at the enlarger. I would have like the box of filters, the paper, like everyone would have a grain focuser at their station. And at the end of the class, when the students leave, if they don't put everything away, I would have to scramble to like clean up the dark room uh -huh. before the next class came <laughs> in. And it gets frustrating. But if I don't want to be upset with my students, I'm going to remove all of those frustrating things from the equation. Uh -huh. So... I found that that's really helpful too. I started making filter boxes. So like all the threes <laughs> are in one big box and it's like a community box. We have that. Yeah. And a two, we like have, also all I, the filters. It's and actually not as nice as that. It's just big envelopes on the wall filled with oh, each filter. Oh, there you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do it with the lens caps too. I started to notice that students were always forgetting lens caps. And then it's frustrating as a mm -hmm. teacher at the end of the block. Like, where's your <laughs> lens cap? They're like, I don't know. So I just got rid of all the lens caps. I just don't want to be frustrated with my students so i'm gonna remove all of the frustrations to keep everything that's in my room positive that's right. and happy. Why, why why set up something yeah. to uh for or, or a student or you for failure yeah right? exactly i just that's funny. and the filters are always gonna get fingerprints on them i'd rather not know who it belonged to <laughs> i just stick it in the box and whatever it sounds so, like you have a very neat organized dark room i am very organized actually, yes <laughs> uh, wait, it's a helicopter oh that's We've had planes, trucks. Now we have a helicopter. These are these are like going to be some great ambient sounds. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, that did I miss anything? Did uh, anything else you were thinking so. about that you wanted to mention? Anything coming up? Oh, actually, I do have a workshop coming up. That's right, um, you do. Yeah. So. I have had so many people over the last couple of years ask me about workshops that I finally decided to put one on. So <laughs> I am having it on May 23rd. It's actually a two-part workshop because it's solar graphy. So you have to make the cameras and put them up oh, and wow. then wait a while and then take them down and process them. So it'll be May 23rd and June 16th. And uh I was a little bit nervous about how expensive the supplies were going to be and renting a space was going to be. I was nervous about like all of the gatekeeping financially that can be in the art world. I didn't want people in our local community to not be able to participate. Right. So I was able to find someone to support the event and pay for it. So oh, that's amazing. I know. So I have a sponsor. I have a sponsor. So <laughs> Isles and Trenton, I'm so thankful for them. Um, they are amazing. They what really a great are. organization. Yeah. They're at the art, at the heart of the arts community here. Definitely. Yeah. So the workshop is free because of them. Oh, that's awesome. I know. Oh, was, and oh they didn't, they're not just like like helping out. It's free. It's free wow. to all attendees. All supplies are supplied. Like, yeah, supplies are supplied. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is provided for you. Um, so I'm really excited about that workshop. So I'm, I've been in How preparation mode. How would sign up and find out about it? Uh, I have it on my webpage and on Which social is? media. So um, heatherpalasek.squarespace.com. And my Instagram is heather.palasek.art. And, and for those of you uh, who will misspell Palasek like I did for oh, for years and you never corrected me. <laughs> Sorry. P-A-L-E-C-E-K, -E yeah. Palasek. Yep. <laughs> and it's not Palasek, it's Palasek. Palasek, yes. <laughs> oh, you know what we didn't mention? What? Third Thursdays. And Third Thursdays, Yes, yeah, you so. are a co-founder of Third Thursdays here at the JKC Gallery mm -hmm. and with Habib Suwab. And we have our sort of last of the season, third Thursday coming up. Yeah, May 20th. Uh, yeah, May 20th. Mm -hmm. And then we'll be back in September, uh, hopefully with a, a, a half open gallery or yes, more. that'll be great. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, a little hiatus. But yeah, it'll be great. Uh, well, thank you. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. This is so fun. Yeah, this is fun out here in our, our little backyard. Mm-hmm. I know it's <laughs> nice out here. We should hang out here more often. I, well, I mean, this is a, a great place to hang out. And once we have people back, we can have you know, move our receptions out here. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs> bye. Real Photo Show with Michael Chauvin Dalton is a production of Real Photo Show, which you can listen to on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and be sure to subscribe on any one of those services or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>